been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Recruiting Future podcast. As regular listeners will know, I often collaborate with HR technology analyst Mervyn Dinnan to produce research reports on various aspects of talent technology. Our latest report was published a few weeks back, with support from learning and performance management platform Bridge. I wanted to bring some of the highlights of our findings to the podcast. So keep listening to hear what we discovered about how the landscape for learning and performance management has been changing during the pandemic. Hi, Mervyn, and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here again. Now, there are quite a few new listeners to the show who've come on board in the last few weeks, and it is a few weeks since we last spoke as part of one of the episodes. So just in case there is anyone listening who doesn't know who you are, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Thank you, Matt. My name is Mervyn Dinnan. I am an analyst, writer, researcher around HR and recruitment trends. Uh, my long-term background was very much in recruitment and HR. Uh, in recent years, I've worked with primarily HR and recruitment technology businesses and other suppliers into that marketplace, uh, researching the ongoing trends uh, that are happening in terms of the, the employee life cycle and the talent life cycle. I'm co-author with Matt, our host, of the book Exceptional Talent and the forthcoming book Digital Talent. Uh, this is a report that we worked on together. Absolutely. So it was published two or three weeks back. Tell everyone the, the title and, and, and what the report's about. The title of the report is the 2020 Learning and Performance Management Report. It's a project on which we collaborated with Bridge, who are part of the Instructure Group, uh, very much involved in learning and performance management technology. And we were trying to find out how the landscape for particularly learning and performance management was changing during 2020, uh, what bits were adapting well, what, what bits weren't adapting well, how employers were finding it, how employees were finding it. A bit of a, um, a, 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 if you like, a state of the nation report on learning and performance management during a time of accelerated digital transformation. And I think the really interesting thing about working on this report was that the world and the landscape was literally changing around us as we were as we were doing the research because we we sort of started it in the middle of one of the um, one of the lockdowns and we just didn't really know which way things were going. So it was really interesting to talk to some of the L&D and HR managers and thinkers out there in terms of what was happening with their organizations and where they might go next. And from a learning development and performance management perspective, we're moving through a few phases. So when we first started writing it, everyone was very much in a in, in the crisis management phase, which which we may have all forgotten now, but that was the, the, the time when lots and lots of offices uh, shut all around the world and large numbers of people had to work at home, didn't necessarily have the right equipment or the right systems. And there was this kind of mass scramble and this mass panic to get to some kind of business as usual. 
But then it also became clear that some of the longer term implications of the, the, the pandemic started to become clear. And as you say, accelerated digital transformation is the absolute key here. So many companies having to change their business model, having to embrace and be much more digital or more digital at a speed that they were not expecting to be. And what this has created is this real issue with uh, critical skills in the business. And one of the one of the kind of sources that we looked at when we were researching was a report that Gartner had done. And they indicated that the pandemic had decoupled critical skills from critical roles. So what they mean by that is there are people who held critical roles within companies, but didn't actually, but no longer had the critical skills to meet the company's changed strategic goals. So, so what you have is this, this scramble amongst employers to upskill people to be able to, to cope with all the changes that were happening. So you've got this, 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 this huge problem of massive upskilling in everyone's kind of in everyone's workforce is needed. But at the same time, dealing with very stressed employees working from home or having the stress of having to come into their workplace at a time where it didn't feel necessarily safe to do so, might be working at home without proper office space, lots of things going on, childcare issues. So some really, really sort of serious challenges there. So part of the focus of this research was to really look at what employers were prioritizing. And I mean, what did we find when we when we sort of looked at that part, Mervyn? Well, I suppose, unsurprisingly, um, it was employee development. So the importance to keeping uh, the, these skills very much up to date, the critical skills you mentioned. Um, I mean, this isn't a surprise. A couple of years ago, we did a research paper, which coincidentally Bridge also sponsored, in which we found the number one reason that, that people join and stay with an organization is if they believe they have the chance to grow, to learn, and to develop new skills. Um, and this is very much in the spotlight at the moment. Uh, we did uh, some research in 2019 uh, and found only 13% of organizations believe that they invested enough in employee development. Uh, so this is clearly at the top of the agenda or at the top of HR's agenda, as well as learning and development. So when we were asking them what uh, they were focusing on for 2020, it was employee development, um, satisfying the ongoing need to keep relevant, ensure employees have the learning and skills they need for the future. Retention was kind of the second most important thing. I think with everything going on, uh, with with, um, everything being uncertain, I think companies were looking to retain people, uh, and, and this was one way to do it. Performance management uh, was, I suppose, the third main challenge, um, and in that the way performance management was being conducted, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, uh, was was changing. Uh, the way conversations were happening was changing, and organisations needed to get this right. Um, interestingly, the least important thing uh, was internal mobility, talent mobility within the organisation. Some Companies said, look, it's, it's beginning to play an increasing role because we, we can't really or we're not comfortable going out there recruiting. Uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're remote. We can't actually meet people. Uh, we, we'd rather retain the people we've got by giving them different opportunities. So that was kind of beginning, but it wasn't seen as the uh, major uh, source of investment and time, which is interesting because we found, I suppose, across a lot of the research that we've done over the last year, that internal mobility 
is is gradually beginning to increase in importance to organizations. And that's possibly one of the things that um, the pandemic over the last year or so, at the time we speak over the last year or so, um, has, has increased the need for companies to look at ways to keep people very much, I suppose, at the forefront of the, the, the skills and the knowledge they need and to keep them engaged within the organization. I think that's really interesting because one of the sort of really clear narratives that was flying around at events and on social media was the this massive emphasis on internal mobility with companies making redundancies and not hiring and, and all that sort of stuff. But But when I sort of dug into that in a number of podcast interviews that I've done that, that I sort of did last year. What also came out was it was something that people talked about, but really struggled with because they didn't always have the, the right technology or the right view of the skills within their, their workforce to be able to do it. And I think that may well have a bearing on, on where it fitted in, in, in this particular piece of research. And that sort of brings us on to some of the stuff that we found around using fit for purpose technology and and this has been a, a massive theme in the in the last 6 months companies went through this this crisis phase and it's like you know we need to use whatever we whatever technology that whatever video technology we've got or whatever we whatever we already have to run the business and do recruitment and and all this other stuff but actually there is a, a real issue if you're not using technology that's that's fit for purpose so on that note, what we what we sort of found when we were when we were writing this report were lots of companies were having issues with the technology that they were using for learning and performance management. Now, on the learning side, maybe that's not surprising. This massive increase in the the need to upskill people and the desire for for, for for learning, unsurprisingly, that perhaps you know some systems couldn't cope with that. And also, there was a there was a kind of a digital divide. There were companies who already had sophisticated digital learning management systems that they could literally just turbocharge and give their employees access to more and more content and more and more learning. But then there were companies who had nothing in place who suddenly found that they couldn't do the sort of face-to-face -face things that they'd done in, done in the past. So that was quite interesting. From a performance management perspective, this is where people were having or people are having the, the most issues with trying to do some of these things remotely. So using video conferences for things like um, formal one-to-ones scored quite highly. People people were were sort of being able to to do that. But what was really missing were a lot of the sort of informal conversations around performance management and really trying to understand where people were and and how they were feeling and what was what was kind of what was really going on. And all our sort of survey respondents and the people that we spoke to reported that that was a real issue that, that, that they were having. So I suppose there were three themes that came out of this is the technology sort of fit for purpose aspect of, of, of the report i mean the, the first one clearly and it's, it's not really to do with technology was that continuous development is where we're moving to companies who are still just doing annual appraisals is that really the best way to work in the in the, in the current environment and and actually the companies that were doing well were the ones who were constantly checking in on their employees and having those conversations and really trying to sort of move things forward on an ongoing basis. The other theme is obviously 
the need to use specialist technology, specialist performance management technology, not just sort of standard video conferencing tools. And then the, the other thing that came out was the, the the need for training. This is the new reality that we live in. Uh, remote working and remote communications are going to continue in some way, shape or form forever. And actually training people to to be able to have difficult conversations using video and and, and not having the advantage of of, of being face to face is is something that 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 people indicated they really wanted they really wanted more of. So in terms of the employees, I mean, Mervin, Mervin will talk a bit more about how the employees are finding all of this. Yeah, it was interesting. We had, one of the questions in the survey that we asked uh, organisations is how successful they thought their digital learning resources had been in supporting the workforce to get the knowledge and the upskilling and everything they need, uh, particularly whilst working remotely. And just over a quarter, about 28%, said that they felt they'd been very successful according to employee feedback. So just over a quarter said, you know, employees have said this is great. Um, the largest proportion, so just under 40%, said that, uh, you know, it's been good, but they've had some problems. And it was, I suppose, around a third that, that, that admitted, look, employees have been saying they can't get the information they need. They're having another problems with it. It's proving a problem. So that's, that, that's quite a significant I suppose, uh, number. Um, in terms of the um, effectiveness of the re- remote conversations and if we are, as we call it, um, performance management by Zoom, um, it's clearly in areas like ad hoc catch-ups, ad hoc conversations and having difficult conversations that both companies and employees are finding it really difficult. And I suppose one of the interesting things was one of the interviewees said to me, look, if I have a difficult conversation with somebody, and particularly if it's not a conversation they're expecting, and I'm, I'm physically in an office and we're in a room together, I, I can see fa- facial expressions, how it's landing. And if I'm not sure how it's landed, I'm going to bump into them. I'm going to walk past the desk. I'm going to see them you know, getting a coffee, getting in the lift, or I'm going to see them again. And I could just say, look, was everything okay? You know, you... It probably wasn't the conversation you're expecting. I just want to check that it's all okay. Uh, And you can check effectively how it's landed. With video conferencing, you can't. You don't see those kind of facial cues are very difficult to read. um, And you're not sure how it's landed. And, of course, you've got no way of checking. You don't have any of those casual catch-ups by a coffee machine or something. You've got to actually email or message them and say, listen, after the chat we've just had, um, can we have another one? Uh, and that's going to effectively you know, panic the employee even more. And it, 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 it sets a very negative kind of frame around it. So I think employees feel that. And, and kind of most employees always want to know where they stand. And I think there's a, a, some of it is, is, is how the employees themselves interpret what they hear and see. But I think organizations, by their own admission, have found it quite difficult to have those uh, slightly more difficult conversations. Um, what the employees really want are kind of seamless joined up interactions. They don't want a series of processes that, that oh, okay, well, that's not for me now. It's, it's, it's kind of somebody else will be in touch with you next week about that. They expect everything to happen seamlessly and immediately. That's one of the expectations from tech, technology. Um, and if they're not getting a great experience, then that's quite um, important to them. 
One of the things that we did find, interestingly, and, and this is one of the key findings for me, is that user experience didn't seem to be that important to the organizations. Um, it was like kind of how important is it to the business when choosing learning and talent management tech? The employees have a good user experience. And it was kind of like, you know, just over half said it's one of the factors we take into account. Uh, only just over a third said it's the most important factor. Uh, and others said it's a consideration, but there are more important factors. And one of the things we asked was, what input do line, do line managers or employees have into the buying of learning and performance management tech? And only 22% said they're very much part of the process. As far as the rest were concerned, so, so just under 80%, it's either they're rarely consulted or it's we get their input, but the final decision is made by other people, primarily IT, finance, senior leadership. So we've got this kind of conundrum where the user experience is, is crucial and will be for years to come because this kind of remote approach to employee development, to performance management, isn't going to suddenly disappear. And the people who we need to have the best experience from the technology, um, we're not really factoring in the experience they have or need into the decisions we make. And I think that, for me, was one of the key takeaways. So there were some really interesting things that came out, lots of challenges, lots of issues, lots of lots of problems. So try to sum up the sort of the four key learnings to summarize the report and to give people some clear takeaways. Talk everyone through them, Mervyn. Okay. Uh, I mean, in no particular order, because they are all vitally important. Um, one of the things we identified was a uh, need for better peer-to-peer -peer connection and interaction. It's safe to assume that kind of working from home or working remotely will continue and that the future is probably some kind of hybrid model uh, where people have a lot more flexibility to choose how and when they work. So it's crucially important that the tech supports ways of working that enables employees to make the connections they need uh, uh, for social cohesion, for productivity and for their own development. The second one, which I was referring to uh, in my most recent points, was a much closer alignment between employee development and performance. They can't happen uh, side by side. They have to be integrated. They have to happen together. Uh, both uh, the employee development side and the performance management side uh, th th have had issues uh, being done remotely with employees having to access the information they need and also maybe not having the meaningful conversations they want. So this closer alignment is going to be hugely important. The third point that we found was that skill development is crucial. As things have developed, particularly over the last year and, and with what's being forecast over the next few years uh, in terms of workplace, uh, Toba charging skill development. People need to be flexible. They need to adapt to changing situations. They need to be able to access the learning that they need at the time when they need it. And I think the fourth thing, uh, which is a point that I was making earlier, is this, this user experience. Tech is purchased for what it can do quite often, for the reports it gives, for the information that it can give the, the, the company that, that, that invests in it. Um, user experience is important, but, you know, we found a bit of lip service being paid to that. You know, employees' user experience wasn't really factored in that much. And the importance 
of the user experience in actually making sure the tech is used and used properly so that work is done, productivity is there, employees get the information, particularly the skills and the knowledge they need in a way that they can actually access it and and it can improve their performance. So I think it's quite likely as we go through this time of uh, what we've said is accelerated digital transformation that uh, I think user experience will become probably one of the major factors uh, that contributes to employee engagement and development. And so it's something that I think organizations need to align with now. So if you want to read the full report, you can go to www.getbridge.com and you should be able to easily find it from there. We'll also put a link to the exact location of the report in the show notes. So Mervin, brilliant to work with you as ever. And thank you very much for coming on the show. As always, it has been my pleasure, Matt. My thanks to Mervyn Dinan and our thanks to Bridge for supporting the research report. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.